0: Welcome back into Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. This is going to be an early Super Bowl preview today. I will be joined by Eric Eager of Sumer Sports to break down the early market, Kansas City, Philadelphia, some props, and just generally talk about the Super Bowl. In terms of Super Bowl content, tomorrow on the Circles Off YouTube channel, I'm dropping a Super Bowl betting strategy video as well it's pretty long we went into detail with that be sure to check that out that's on the circles off youtube channel coming in tomorrow around four o'clock p.m eastern time if you're in youtube here i do see your comments in real time you can ask questions over the course of the show and we will get to them over the course of the show if you're watching on twitter that's great as well just know that if you are commenting i do not see them in real time so hop on over to the forward progress youtube channel if you want to get in on the conversation really quickly looking at the early market here for the super bowl at Bedford sportsbook so we're sitting at eagles money line minus 125 chiefs plus 105 uh, that's kind of been a little bit of chiefs money over the course of the last day nothing too crazy but we've seen the spread now settle in at one and a half pretty much across the board after there was a bunch of early money on the under at open uh, across a lot of shops that opened earlier on, a little bit of buyback towards the over there as well. So we're sitting at Kansas City minus one and a half, the total of 50 in the game. So um, nothing crazy. I mean, we're seeing some super high limits at a lot of these sportsbooks right now, talking six-figure limits where you can actually rebet. Um, so any sort of movement at this point, would be a substantial amount of money that's coming in on one side or the other. Let's break it down. Eric Eager of Sumer Sports now joins me here on Forward Progress. By the way, if you haven't checked out Sumer Sports, check it out. Follow him on Twitter, at Sumer Sports. There was a great podcast that dropped this week as well, uh, reviewing the conference championship games, but also talking about how to evaluate the wide receiver position, Uh, from a scouting perspective from an analytical perspective that was a very very good listen i would highly encourage people to check it out so support what eric does um I, i think this is some of the best football analysis out there on a weekly basis eric um i'm not sure if you have your voice after being at at arrowhead this weekend i mean how was that experience overall for you
1: well rob thanks for the kind words i think this is the first day where my voice feels like normal and you know as somebody with a booming voice when you like I you listened to the podcast on Monday I squeaked a few times like I was a privilege uh there but man it was it was great because you know you and I think of the game very analytically right and I'm thinking settle for field goals twice in the first two drives you know don't capitalize on the interception return don't come out of the half with a you know with with anything like a first down even fumble when you're up 7 at midfield I'm thinking do we have to explain away another chiefs game where they outplay the Bengals and then lose? And that's like how it felt. It was like, it was going to go down the stretch. And, you know, I was, you know, with all those receiver injuries and stuff, I thought if this game gets to overtime, I think they're cooked. And, you know, they, they, you know, inexplicably ended up winning that game in regulation. Even Uh, a few calls of course went their way, um, you know, which is, I just think variance at this point. Uh, It was a very exciting game. And, and, you know, I think it, you know, it, it just uh, preludes this the Super Bowl, which I think will be uh, a game of evenly matched teams that that do it a little bit differently than one another.
0: Yeah, I, I was watching, uh, I mean, this was after the fact, but Monday, I went back to tune into the replay of um, the Hammer HQ watch-along that happened. Um, and the fourth quarter of that game was Kanish and Hitman on with Alex Moreto, three guys cheering for the Chiefs. And it was like, Basically, like they were going to a funeral there in the in the final five minutes of the game. It was very, very pessimistic outlook. And it did really feel like one of those games. Like, we, we also failed to mention the the fourth and sixth punt from the uh, the Bengals 37 or 38. Uh, just like a lot of, I, I, like Andy Reid, great coach, but Andy Reid doing yeah. Andy Reid things, you know?
1: Well, and when you said fourth and sixth punt, I thought of, the one that Burrow threw into double coverage that got caught by Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it, again, like, you know, the the results matter this time of year, of course. Um, but for with respect to what we're doing here, it matters to like sort of grade, at, grade it out and see how the players play it. I mean, the Chiefs only gave up two touchdowns to uh, that great Bengals offense with three rookie defensive backs playing the whole time. And both of those touchdowns were, you know, basically aided by third or fourth and long 50 uh, 50 jump balls, and so you know I think that they're and I I was somewhat facetious, but I thought the Chiefs would win big on Sunday, and I felt like at least fundamentally I was proven right, even though the game ended up being close. Um, it is interesting now, though, you take that 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 game and how well the Chiefs played, and how much better I felt like they've become than the rest of the AFC. You have injuries, you have uh, you know they're playing a really good team that is just different. Than most of the teams they face in the AFC. How much of that do you think translates uh, from one week to the next?
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I want to break down obviously the Super Bowl here. Let's get into it. Full disclosure to the audience: if you haven't picked up on it already, Eric is a Kansas City Chiefs fan. He is pretty good though at remaining unbiased uh, in these breakdowns. So we'll, we'll talk about it. But definitely, we saw a lot of the um, Vegas shops, some of the offshore books that open this game open the Chiefs as. Anywhere between one and a half to two and a half point favorites. Immediately money comes in on Philadelphia um, to the point now where we're sitting in market as the Eagles favored. It would have been a surprise a long time ago, let's say even a month ago, for the Eagles to be favored in this game on a neutral. We've come a long way um, since Jalen Hurts being out and Gardner Minshew backing him up and two Eagles blowouts um, and some concerns now with the Chiefs. Let's maybe start there. You look at the wide receiving crew. And the injury designations heading into the Super Bowl, you have Juju Smith-Schuster banged up, Kadarius Toney banged up, McCole Hardman banged up, even Justin Watson banged up. You have Willie Gay uh, banged up on defense, LeJarius Sneed as well. How much do you think that the early money on Philly was just a, there's a lot of positive like upside with betting the Eagles at this point?
1: I think it's entirely that. I mean, we saw the same thing happen you know, similarly, last week when we saw a lot of Bengals money, and um, ultimately that got cut off at two and a half when uh, a few places, you know, a few groups bet Kansas City and brought it all the way back. You know, to close at one and a half for the Chiefs. Um, you know, I think that mo- most of these injuries that are going to affect what the Chiefs want to do are minor. I think that you know, LeJarius needs their, their second best defensive player. Uh, concussions, pro- concussion is either going to be like a one week thing and he plays, or a month-long thing a la Tua, and he doesn't play. We'll find that out, I think, fairly quickly. Um, but then on the other side, Smith-Schuster's dealt with this knee injury before. It's been a one-ish week kind of thing for him. It's not an ACL. It's not an MCL. It, it's kind of one of those flare-ups that he has. You know, I, I'm optimistic that he'll play. Um, but Tony and, and Hardman, I think I, I would be surprised if they were to play Watson had an, an illness that, that kept him out of that game, um, you know, and that was really opened the door for Valdez Scantling to have his game because Valdez Scantling was the deep threat that they would basically play about two-thirds of the time. They played Watson one-third of the time. Valdez Scantling basically played the whole game and took even some of Schuster's stuff. I think it, in, in a pinch that works for the Chiefs, and, you know, MBS did a really good job, but I think you do need that rounded-out receiving core to do a good job against this Eagles team um with the secondary that has it, you know, fairly good players in James Bradbury, Darius Slay, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, and so forth. So it is and I, I think that you know basically, and anywhere from plus two to minus two is what at most a ten percent swing. So right. you're not really look, you're not really doing a ton here um, by laying Eagles right away or taking Eagles right away. um and and so I do think you're right. I think it's just an upside play in the event that all of these players in weak link systems like secondary linebacker, Wide receiver end up being out for the Chiefs. It it, it does you know smell a little bit like the uh, Super Bowl fifty five where um, you know they they look good on you know it looks okay on paper for them, but ultimately when you get into that game, you're immediately like, oh, this is not going to happen here um, because of the injuries.
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I'm going to say what like no traditional member of the media would probably say over the course of the next two weeks, but I will be absolutely floored if Lejarius Sneed does not clear concussion protocol, or does not play in this game. Like, this is the Super Bowl. I get it. There's more of an emphasis on head trauma now. I'm not suggesting that he should play regardless. That's not what I'm saying. But it's the biggest game of his life. I think that there's a very high likelihood that he's going to find a way to play in this game. Uh, As scary as that sounds, if there are still symptoms or whatever. That's just... That's just my two cents on the situation. So I would not rule him out. It's the wide receiver. You know, the, all, the, the Chiefs already don't have a great group of wide receivers, right? I, I mean, you compare it to the rest of the league. Obviously, the addition of Kadarius Tony was big for them. But if he can't go, if he's limited in any fashion, I think that's where there's a real, real drop off. So I'll push back a little bit on
1: that, though. Like, I think they have a better receiving core than they've had for three years now, though, right? Like, if you look at yards per target, they had, in the regular season, they had one yard more per target to the wide receiver position than last year. And yep. and that was not compensated for by a, dec- a decline in Kelsey. Or the running backs this year versus last year have basically the same catches, yards, and then they have seven more touchdowns this year, which is a little bit of variance. Kelsey actually had a better year this year than last. And, and even despite all that, the Chiefs receiving core, one more yard per target than they did last year, even with Tyreek Hill in the fold. It's just that they don't have that top end player that they've had before. So when things get, when they play elite defenses, there isn't that one guy that can go out there and get the, them a bucket. I think the ball, this Scantling game against the Bengals is more of an aberration than something that they'll be able to count on next Sunday. So it's a weird thing where I agree with you that, on the top end, and maybe in a game like this, it's not as impressive as maybe it had been in the past. And, you know, you can't run Wasp or MVS. Right. But I think if the whole group is healthy, they're pretty solid.
0: I, I'm not suggesting that they're not solid. Like I think the yards per target thing is a little bit skewed by the fact that the Chiefs, for about the first third of the la- of last season went through like this transformation process on offense where they were just caught off guard by the defenses that they were playing up against. And they were trying to run the same offense that they were, uh, you know, a few years prior and teams just weren't giving them the downfield shot or anything like that. So I think ultimately, I mean, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's a bad receiving core by any stretch of the imagination. Like there's far, far worse out there, but I would say that it's probably average. And if you're missing players, um, that's significant. For me, you know, I'm looking at the, at the, at the talking points surrounding this game, and the Eagles might be one of the most challenging teams to figure out in recent memory of, like, any season that I can remember for a long time because they have, again, it's the same talking point as last week, but they've played nobody, right? It's like their toughest games were the first two games of the year against Detroit and Minnesota. Detroit didn't even make the playoffs. Minnesota was a big fraud. They finally play a quality team last week in San Fran and starting quarterback gets injured in a, you know early on in that game. Completely changes the dynamic of the game. And I feel like there's people that are on very opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to the Eagles, which is they're a fraud. They haven't played anybody. You know, give me Mahomes against the team that hasn't played anyone. I'm on the other side of it, where I think that They are just victims of having had an easy schedule, but their their personnel is so good on both sides. Like, you know, if you're game planning to beat the Eagles, there's not very many weaknesses there. They have a very good offensive line. They have two dynamic receivers on the outside. One of the most underrated tight ends, in my opinion, in in Dallas Goddard. Defensive line that can basically like rotate seven or eight guys in you, Hassan Reddick, great pass rusher. Great corners. Like, I, I, I think the Eagles are a, a super complete team, and people just discredit it because of the schedule.
1: Well, Donnie, that I mean, you're right. It, it, it's weird because it's not like this is some 11 and six team that had an easy schedule. They're 14 and one when their quarter or 13 and 14 and one when their quarterback played. Right. So like, this is it, it's weird because what do you really expect them to do i think that the the hard one here is and we talked about this last week i think you know my the biggest the biggest thing i said about the game was whoever got out ahead was going to win that game by margin because of the running game and like how you know both teams snowball on other teams yep. and the eagles we we seen that in both playoff games where they got out ahead and you know it just got out of the other team's hands because they could run the football so well um that's that's the only the, i don't think that the eagles are, I don't think that the Eagles' schedule is what I'm worried about the most. What I'm worried about is the lack of, of evidence we have that they can play in every single game script. I, you know, we we saw, you know, they didn't trail in a game until week ten in the second half, and and in that game, you and I were, were on the the uh, you know the Monday show where we come out in the second half against Washington, and it's just like hurts like really struggled throwing the football when other teams knew he had to throw it, and even against Indianapolis, a team that won their first Jeff Saturday game and then lost that Eagles one yep. and then lost the rest of them. The Eagles had to win that game on a last go ahead touchdown where hurts didn't complete a ball on the entire series. And so to me, I think, and you saw it a little bit of it on Sunday, if hurts drops back and you play disciplined defense and give him a little bit of pressure, I think that that's really how Kansas city can win. And, you know, that, that's to me the only issue is like we do not have a ton of evidence that when, when the chips are down, Jalen Hurts can throw the football when they know he has to throw the football. And so, you know, can the Chiefs stop the run enough? Can they get out ahead on offense enough to make that situation one that the Eagles have to play in? Neither NFC team has had to or, or got to. So we don't – so that's like the whole thing. I, I think that, the, you know, it's probably a coin flip as to whether or not the Chiefs can get Hurts – into that situation. And then I'm very, very skeptical if they, if they do that hurts can get him out of it.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I, I echo a lot of what you said there because I watched Eagle San Fran last week and it very much felt like the Jalen hurts of last year, rather than the one we saw this year, the one where I was like, Oh, I don't know if Jalen hurts is the guy going forwards. Like he can do some nice things. He can scramble, break the pocket, but does he have the, the, the passing attack? and i think that's what a little bit of pressure does and for the most part the eagles o line which is fantastic across the board has been able to keep him clean and th- again this is not to discredit jalen hurts but he's definitely a beneficiary of having that o line and we saw when a team is able to break that down even on some plays the offense isn't as free flowing as we've seen
1: yeah i mean this game is a really inter- it's both it's a and z of how to build a team or or how what you have to like Patrick Mahomes, what's so special about this Chief Super Bowl appearance is they don't have the benefit of the rookie deal quarterback, right? right? Like, you know, every single Super Bowl since 2012, with the exception of one, has included a quarterback or a team, sorry, that was built around a quarterback making rookie money. There was the Wentz Super Bowl where, you know, he didn't make it, but like, and, and the Eagles have supercharged that approach. They got Hurts on not only rookie money but second-round rookie money. So then they trade a draft pick for, for AJ Brown, give him the max deal. Obviously they have Smith. Um, the defense they got Bradbury when you know a lot of other teams couldn't afford him at that time. And you know they trade for Chauncey Gardner Johnson. They, I mean, they're and in the middle of the season they pick up Ladomkin, Sue, and Linvel Joseph. Like they just are piling stuff around Hurts. And that's awesome, and that's a way I think most teams that don't have a Mahomes should try to win. It's just then the the hardest question in football is then when some of those things break down, can you trust that quarterback to make plays? And I think that that's an unknown. I don't think Hurts has passed that test yet, regardless of how well he's played. And admittingly, how, how how fun that team's been to watch this year.
0: They brought in a Robert Quinn as well, who just turns into like a rotational player, yeah, yeah. and like Derek Barnett's on IR too. Like the the depth that they had. At that position is absurd. This is a good question from Brad. And it brings me to another talking point. But can this Chiefs defense mimic what the San Fran defense is, though? They don't have the horses across the defense like San Fran does. I really think Hertz wasn't fully prepared for the San Fran speed. So another comparison that's being drawn is to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Where Kansas City has like the elite quarterback. Obviously, it was still Mahomes Brady. It's not like Brady was a scrub at that time or anything like that. But where we watched the domination in that game was at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, where the Tampa O line kept Brady clean for the most part. The D line for Tampa in that game just destroyed Kansas City. Now, that's a couple years ago. Personnel changes. Things you know, I don't think Kansas City is like they're far removed from that in my opinion. I think they're better on both sides of the ball at at the line of scrimmage, but it definitely is a concern for me when I break down this game, because I still think that the Eagles have a big advantage in the interior here. And this is to me, you know, I haven't bet the game full, full disclosure to everyone out there, but this is to me what gives the Eagles the edge here and why I'd be willing to like, I hate betting against Mahomes in a game where Mahomes basically just has to win. Right. Yeah. In my opinion, the greatest, Quarterback I've ever seen play not not the goat in terms of like career achievements or whatever Patrick Mahomes now is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. So the thought of just betting against him to win is I don't want to do it. But I I do think that the Eagles have some big stylistic mismatches in that in this game where I could see a replica of a couple years ago like people just think that this game is blow-up proof right like two great teams I don't think so like I could see scenarios where the Eagles win by margin and make the Chiefs look really bad
1: yeah for sure I mean look the the Chiefs offensive line that played in the Bucs Super Bowl is maybe the worst offensive line ever assembled in an NFL playoff game like that you know you're looking at like uh, was it Mike Remmers playing left tackle Andrew Wiley's actually a holdover he plays right tackled still they have Nick Allegretti I think Austin Ryder and I'm trying to remember like um, Stephen Wisniewski like that was a that was the R in war basically all around that offensive line now Orlando Brown is not a great left tackle like Orlando Brown could be had and when you think about Josh Sweat you think about Hassan Reddick. Who I didn't even mention in that you know rant earlier, like that guy's that guy's the first guy in NFL history to have ten or more sacks three straight years with three different teams. Like he's a, a baller and 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 you know and but I do think interior. You're talking about Creed Humphrey, maybe the best center in the NFL. Yeah. Left tackle Joe Toomey makes and earns sixteen million a year. Trey Smith was a little banged up on Sunday, but he's a pretty good right guard. And what the Chiefs did, so one one game that might be instructive. And again. I don't have I'm not betting the Chiefs in this game. I actually think the number's fine and I and I I think there's like you said too much variance to really have a strong feeling on either side. But when you look at a game that might be instructive here is when they played San Francisco early in the season, what the Chiefs did with their running backs and tight ends was flare them out and chip on both tackles every single play. And they even had a touchdown called back because one time McKinnon was too far outside the tackle box and when he when he chopped the guy down and they called a penalty. But for the most part, they were able to neutralize Bosa uh and and company by doing that. Eagles are even better than the Niners are up front. So that that might not be worthwhile. But in that game, they got hundred-yard games out of Valdez Scantling and Smith Schuster. Like that's that's the formula for beating up this defense. But it's thin, right? Like they they have to make sure everything goes right. They have to make sure Mahomes has the mobility that he's accustomed to, which is not a, nowhere close to a lock. In fact, they probably think it's an underdog. And so they, those are, that's the way they can do it. So they, I think they can do it with their personnel, but to your point, they are an underdog personnel-wise, offensive line against defensive line. And I think, even though the Chiefs' defensive line was amazing Sunday, they're underdogs against on the other side of the ball against what is a very good Eagles' offensive line and what is a very good e- Eagles' offensive scheme with Stoutland and, and Steichen both working in tandem to make sure that they get you know all the angles and stuff like that, both in the run and the passing
0: game. We're going to have a lot more coverage here of the Super Bowl on the forward progress channel on the hammer betting network if you do like the content that we're putting out there make sure that you smash that like button and definitely subscribe to the channel pizza buffet is coming your way sunday morning 11 a.m i'm going to give my thoughts on the game overall but also some player props that i'm looking to attack Uh, in the game as well next week Wednesday 12 p.m eastern time we're doing a live props special you'll want to tune in for that that thing's going to go like three and a half or four hours just people rotating in and out giving their best Super Bowl prop bet so make sure that you're subscribed to Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network Uh, Eric I do want to talk to you about like some Super Bowl betting strategy just in general and there's the Super Bowl in my opinion is a very different game than what we see from like a week nine game in the regular season, right? You got the two weeks to prepare for both teams. You have the media spectacle prior. You have the the nerves of this being, everyone's like the biggest game of their career for the most part. You have the, the 40 minute long halftime show or whatever, right? And there's a lot of these short, you know, there's small sample trends, right? Whether it's the low scoring first quarters or the high scoring third quarters, Um, or teams breaking out trick plays at a a much higher rate. And I think there's a divide on whether or not this stuff is useful or not. I'm in the camp of that it is somewhat predictive of what we're going to see going forwards because of the fact that this is a different game. It's not just a, a, a regular game. I'm curious your take on that, if you put any stock into like trends we've seen in previous Super Bowls, whether you think that matters in breaking down this upcoming Super Bowl. I think if you can
1: tie a reason to it, like a you know, I, I think ma- the the hard part about math and statistics is like a lot of statistics is black box and a lot of it is like, you know, data in, date, you know, predictions out, and you miss the mechanisms uh, associated with it. So let's take for example the kickoff, right? So opening kickoff, um, you know, the the price for a touchback, you know, is anywhere I I you know, I, I have to think about historically, but like minus 130 to minus 200 as to whether that opening kickoff is going to be a touchback. And if you just look at regular season games played in stadiums uh, like Glendale, like it should be more than minus 200 for the opening kickoff to be a touchback if both teams prefer kicking touchbacks, right? There are some teams that like to kick it short and cover, but like you can handicap it pretty well. And the price is almost always shy of what you would imagine it. And like, if you were just going on season long numbers, you would say bet the touchback every year but what's the mechanism well the mechanism is that the new football is hard as a rock and shiny and all that stuff and so that's the reason why so I think that if you can tie a mechanism to why the the price would be independent of the base rates that are associated with regular season and and Super Bowl then it's a then I think that it has all the validity in the world and so that's and so when you say like why are third quarters a more uh, higher scoring well they Forty-minute half times, and they don't get to watch Shakira, right? We, you know, they they have to focus during those forty minutes, and so like I think that that you know, if you can tie a mechanism and a reason to it, that doesn't necessarily mean you could be overfitting in your mind, right? And it could be narrative driven, but like that, like the situation, like oh, if the football is hard as a rock and the and the kicker can't break it in, well, then of course it's going to kick it shorter. That makes all the sense in the world, and then it's about kind of you you know using more of an art than a science to create the price. So I I think that. Many of them, especially when they crop up over and over and over again, and there's a mechanism that you can tie to why that happens, then I think it's valid.
0: I'll go even further. Like if I'm Isaiah Pacheco or Sky Moore or Boston Scott, and I I catch the ball two yards into my end zone in a in week seven, and the coach has been telling me all week like we're going to take a knee if it's okay, I'm going to take a knee in the Super Bowl. You better bet I'm gonna like try to bring this one home for a, a kick return touchdown. Like it's, I I just think that there are mechanisms in the game like that that don't exist in just a regular game, and I think it's discounted too much by like the math. And listen, I'm a huge proponent of math. Like anyone who who's seen my stuff, I just think that there's like another way to think about things sometimes and say exactly what you said. Like, can I apply logic to this situation that might you know dispel the existing math or the existing data and i think with the super bowl we get a lot of those situations.
1: Yeah, i agree. And i and i think that that you know the the, the two passers per game thing like, you know, uh the teams are always going to be trying to find an edge there especially when you know you it, it's interesting when you have two teams and again, this is another mechanism. When you have and and this is for further data. I actually haven't done this analysis, but if you have if you have two teams that play in the same division, do you have more or fewer trick plays? Because two teams that play in the Super Bowl are generally speaking, it's not usually a rematch that season. Sometimes it is, but most of the time, even if it's a rematch, they're not two teams that are familiar with one another. And so, do do trick plays happen more or less when you have less familiarity? Um, you know, how can you apply that? Do teams go for fourth downs more or less when they are not when like if if it's if it's Bengals Ravens? And you've seen and the Bengals have seen every one of these stupid ass Ravens, fourth down rollout, no one wide open plays. I don't actually blame John Harbaugh for kicking as much. But if John Harbaugh's playing the Packers and they haven't seen him in four years, then what are you doing? Like, are you are you really going to uh you know feel like that they know they have your number there? So there's all these like I think it's also, and you know, Rufus says this, uh, I think and he's very well spoken in this, is like find you know, try to find, try to Try to find that variable in your numbers and, and control for it. And, you know, there are some instances like the Super Bowl halftime show where maybe that data isn't in the database and you just have to make an, an inference based upon logic. But sometimes that is. Like, look, you know, maybe it's maybe it's familiarity is a lurking variable. Maybe it's something else that that is the reason why these things happen differently.
0: I don't like to give credit to Rufus as no. you know, I try I try not to do that here on Ford Progress. But yes, he does, he does say that, which is, I mean, it's very valid. I mean, you can learn a lot from. Uh, From what he has to say, sticking with the math side of things for a second here, another big topic of conversation in the betting community this week. If you like the Kansas City Chiefs on the money line, why not just bet Patrick Mahomes as the MVP? If you like the Eagles on the money line, why not just bet Jalen Hurts as the MVP? The likelihood that a quarterback is going to win the MVP is super high. I'm curious your thoughts on that because I made this argument two Super Bowls ago, which was the Mahomes Brady Super Bowl, and I was like, "There's no chance in hell. Never, I never want to. Like, let's never say zero percent. But what it would take for one of these guys not to win the MVP in that game? The total was fifty-six and a half, if people recall. So we're gonna get like the likelihood of a high-scoring game is gonna Mm -hmm. be there. What are the chances that? One of these guys is not going to win it. Now this trend has kind of continued on year after year, where people instead of taking the plus 105 with um, with the Chiefs to win on the money line, they find a better price on Mahomes. Instead of laying minus 125 with Jalen Hurts, you can get plus 110 on the money line at Betfred Sportsbook. So curious your thoughts on that um, in terms of whether or not that math makes sense and like logically again there's like this is a human element in this right because this is a voted upon award yeah it's really
1: funny last year the Monday of the Super Bowl uh I know yeah we've had we've had uh, shows with Drew myself and Drew Dinsick and um one of the the sportsbook operators we were all out for drinks and we were actually like writing on a napkin like what the process was for pricing out Stafford MVP uh and then Burrow MVP because you know, you. I think this is one where you really do have to look at and actually price it out. Where it's just like, you know, for for Stafford last year was, if he throws interceptions, is he going to get the Super Bowl MVP? And the answer is probably no, because we went into the game, he was the league leader in interceptions, yeah. and so that was going to be tied in, and we we had priced into our brains this idea that he was not the chief guy winning these games, and so obviously Cooper Cup wins the the MVP, and there was a space there uh, for people who thought this way to lose right and and it is like a it's not a a true polish middle but it is like a a situation where you can get screwed uh if you try to bet both sides and you leave a little bit of a middle there but we also see situations like patrick Mahomes' super bowl where he did throw two interceptions um damian williams the running back for the chiefs ran for 125 yards and two and scored two touchdowns including the game winning touchdown and and the game ceiling touchdown he doesn't even win And so, like, I think you'd be be very reasonable to look at the Chiefs and say, other than Mahomes and maybe Chris Jones, there is not a guy that can win MVP for that team in the event that they win. And then you look at the Eagles, and that's where it gets hard, right? I think with the Eagles one, it's very tough to make the argument that betting hurts to win MVP is super correlated. It it is correlated, of course. Very correlated. But – the daylight between Hertz MVP and Eagles win is pretty big, and and specifying who that guy is. And this was the, the the issue with the Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Tampa Bay's defense was amazing, but they didn't have one guy right the way that the Rams had Donald. And and right. you know you look at Hassan Reddick being kind of the the toast the of the town now, and you know Darius Slay being a big name. The the Tampa Bay Super Bowl, the defense won Tampa Bay that game, and the running game was really good in that game. But all of the parts for Tampa Bay, there wasn't a star, right? There wasn't a guy you could point to and say, the defense played well, you know, a la the 2000 Super Bowl where Ray Lewis won the MVP despite, like, the fact that Chris McAllister had an interception for a touchdown and all this. Yep. Like, that That I think you have to think through and, and put probabilities to. And, you know, once you do that, come up with a price for, for each player. And if there's daylight there, bet it. If not, and I, I'm guessing in this game for the hurt side, there's not. Don't bet it, you know, if there's not daylight.
0: So Brad says, I think there's a much higher chance another Eagle wins it over another Chief. I agree with that. Yeah, much, higher, bit. much, higher. M- much higher. So the, the, the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl is a prime example, right? Like, but this is also like a narrative-based award. I, I don't think it's just strictly Super Bowl either that you have to factor in here. Like if you're, uh, if you're voting on this award, and even Mahomes, let's say, hobbles around a couple times in the game on on his gimpy ankle, and they end up winning the game. Like, who's not going to vote for Patrick Mahomes hobbled? Like, it's going to happen, right? There are scenarios. Like, in my opinion, Travis Kelsey's been targeted like a million times in the postseason the last two years, right? I think two weeks ago he got seventeen targets. There, there are scenarios here where he gets like half the targets for the team, a hundred yards, and a couple touchdowns. And Kelsey's very well-liked, likable player. Like, that can totally happen, right? But yep. I think that in the Chiefs' case, it actually does make a lot of sense to bet the Mahomes number. I think the likelihood of Mahomes winning the MVP if the Chiefs win the game is probably in the 95% range. Like That, that was what I was going to
1: put. I mean, the, the you, you have to chase... The, you're right, the narrative is so interesting. I think if Mahomes wasn't injured... And Kelsey had this back injury that clearly hampered him last week. And you could, you could sort of work around this. Oh, Kelsey's playing banged up and he has 17 catches for whatever and, and ends up with the MVP. Then maybe there's that that. I also think Chris Jones having such an amazing game last week that he's going to be on everybody having his first sack in the postseason, all that. People are going to be thinking about him a little bit. Um, but beyond that, I can't, I mean, I can't see Isaiah Pacheco winning MVP. I can't see. Valdez-Scantling, who had a great game the other day. Like, I I, I mean, I can't, you know, but it's interesting. We did see, I mean, even in the Brady Super Bowl, I saw Deion Branch win an MVP. We saw Edelman win an MVP. um, You know, so it's possible for sure, even with a guy who's considered goaded by the media for for another guy underneath to win an MVP. I I just, I think for the Chiefs, it makes some sense. But again, I would just tell everybody, price it out and make the price yourself and see what ends up happening because that is a really instructive exercise basically saying like to not bet this or to bet this. I need this. I need Mahomes. You know, you said 95%. What if it's 97 and percent? Then you're like, okay, well that's too much daylight for me to feel all of that. That's too much. That's a lack of daylight that I don't think exists. And therefore I'm not going to make that bet.
0: Yeah. I mean like previously in time, I would go through the regular season. I did this with, with Matt Stafford, Cooper cup last year, right? I bet mm-hmm. Cooper cup to win the MVP and I'm going through, the, the regular season games and basically like how often would Stafford have won in these games versus Cup because Cup had some games where he got like two-thirds of the team's yardage mm-hmm. in the passing game, right? Uh, and there was like way more of a case to be made for Cooper Cup. I, I think that's the case with the Eagles as well, right? I think you could have a huge Devontae Smith game. You could have a huge A.J. Brown game. You could have a Dallas Goddard multiple touchdown game as well. And maybe Jalen... Yeah, and like and like, Jalen Hurts has 10 rushing yards because the Chiefs just try to keep him in the pocket or something like that. And it doesn't look as flashy anymore for Hurts. And he's struggling a little more like he did against the 49ers. So, I mean, I don't love the, that approach. If you like the Eagles, I'd rather just bet the Eagles' money line to win the game than Hurts' MVP. Chiefs, I'll stand by my 95%. And if Mahomes doesn't win it, then it is what it is. But it, there's just not many scenarios, in in my opinion, where... Um, he doesn't get it. Like, especially knowing that we already saw a Super Bowl where he did not deserve to get it and ended up getting it as well. Um, let's spend just a couple minutes here. Just early quick thoughts. I'm not going to hold you to this. We won't go break down the entire player prop market. But if you had to pick one player in the game that you think could outperform their expectations going in and one player that you think will underperform versus their expectations, who, are, who would be those guys?
1: Yeah, I think the best, <laughs> the best bet on the board, and this I, I take a lot of inspiration from you about this is Jody Fortson sixty to one to score the first touchdown of the game on, on BetMGM. Um, you know, I, I I know we're we're sponsored by Betfred. I want to make the point that BetMGM hangs some of the worst numbers in the market, <laughs> and so I, I'm 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 more throwing Bet Betfred the flowers as opposed to uh, you know pointing out another sports book. But Fortson um, was on the field for I, I'd have to look at the but. From my estimation like what 15 snaps or so yep. um you know if if they don't have smith schuster if they don't have sky if they don't or not sky if they don't have some of the other guys hardman hardman's a big red zone guy for that team right so if he's not there um then then there could be a problem um i think that fortson is a guy that mahomes likes to look to on fades and slants and he's in the he's on the field in the red zone um especially if they if, again if they're down at wide receiver they're going to play a lot of three tight ends And he was up on Sunday instead of Blake Bell, who was healthy. So I think that he's the guy uh, when I think over uh, shooting over expectation, you're also getting a better price because he didn't get a target last week, even though he he was on the field a lot. That's my one that I like a lot. This is one where the market has actually moved against me, but I actually like Jalen hurts under passing yards as well. Like I, I think that there's a number of, a number of outs here. If the Eagles win, like, We've seen it already. Eagles win in the playoffs is an under and, and an under Hurts uh, passing yards uh, look. And um, and then back to my original point, like if the Chiefs were to win and be in control of this game, I think that Hurts is going to struggle. And I think also we've seen them want to run the football, even win behind. So I just don't see, and, and I think a lot of people are gravitating to the week four or five game last year where they played each other and Hertz put up a ton of yards. Yep. And they're like, oh, that's Evan's. A this Chiefs defense is better and more and more explosive and faster than they were last year, but also I think the Eagles are much more committed like I think the Eagles say we got here by running Hurts, by running our backs, by being very conservative on offense in a, in a good way I think, not like the bad way, and that's kind of their identity. I don't think they want to drop Hurts back that much even it, you know, unless it's completely necessary and the situations where it's completely necessary as we talked about are far fewer than 50% of the game.
0: Yep. Fair enough. Uh, I know you mentioned like briefly Sky Moore, but he's one guy that as the injury situation plays out for the Chiefs over the course of this week, I I could see Sky Moore filling like a Kadarius Tony role where it's kind of a coming out party for him, where they utilize him effectively in the screen game as a wide receiver. I don't know yet. We're still ways away from seeing how this is going to play out and who's available for Kansas City. But if we are missing guys, I I I mean, I've always been a fan of Sky Moore. They're utilizing him a lot on special teams right now because he's a dynamic player there. But I could see this being the type of game, a couple weeks to prepare, where they try to incorporate him into the offense.
1: A couple, I think you're 100%. On. One of the things I tweeted out yesterday was both of these head coaches are really good. But how Sirianni is really good, which is in in-game decisions and stuff, I think that that's good with one day of rest. The, the way Andy Reid's really good, not in the in-game decision-making or time management or whatever. He's really good in the scheme. And I think at the the bye helps him more than it helps Sirianni. So when you're looking at, you know, edges there, Sky Moore has two outs to be productive in this game. He has the Kadarius Tony, McCole Hardman type of receiver where he might get catches that aren't really catches, right? The little pop pass things on the the, the stuff that they like to do to Hardman and Tony. Um, but he could also play the Juju role, which I think is actually his direct receiving line. When they're all healthy, he's Juju's backup. So I think that there's actually two ways in which he can be productive in this game. And, and, and I think that he's gonna play regardless because I, I think that I put the probability of Juju and then either Tony or Hardman being healthy is almost almost zero. Like I think you're 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 looking at an and probability that's very small. And so I think he either plays as Juju direct player, or he plays as Hardman and Tony's direct player uh, in the Chiefs offense. In either case, I probably, they'll probably scheme up plays for him.
0: Yep. Uh, I completely agree with that. Uh, Eric, appreciate you joining me. Uh, Let the viewers know uh, what's going on for you during Super Bowl. So I'm at
1: Eric Eager underscore on uh, Twitter. Um, I will be at the Super Bowl Tuesday and Wednesday uh, doing, you know, various radio row stuff uh I, I certainly uh look forward to that and uh yeah at sumer sports on twitter we're posting a lot of graphics and stuff like that uh associated with you know anytime a new head coach is hired or um you know a player uh, like brady retires or something like that we're, we're trying to keep everybody up to date on that kind of stuff so uh check us out there rod this has been fun
0: all right eric take care enjoy uh, media row next week yep. all right that's eric eager of sumer sports i would highly recommend checking out the podcast just follow sumer sports on twitter s-u-m-e-r um, they tweet out all the content, so on and so forth. But uh, the stuff with Thomas Dimitrov, who used to be the uh, Atlanta Falcons general manager, is really good. Um, really, really good stuff. So I can't re- recommend that enough. Uh, I'm personally back Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time, here on Forward Progress. Again, if you enjoy the Super Bowl breakdown here, the early preview, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel and if you feel like it tell some friends just let them know that this content is available to them we'll be producing stuff well after the super bowl as well in the off season breaking down all sorts of off season moves so plenty more to come here on forward progress which is the NFL division of the hammer betting network thank you very much to betfred sportsbook for sponsoring our content if you are in Arizona Colorado Ohio Iowa or Pennsylvania actually Nevada now as well where they are licensed make sure you check out betfred uh, again I practice what I preach. I bet at many different sportsbooks, as many as I can. If I was in a state with Betfred, I would 100% be betting at Betfred. You can always find edges at different books. Great live in-game product as well. Make sure you check out Betfred Sportsbook. That's it for me. Thanks to everyone tuning in. This has been Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network. Peace out.